0: Five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the
1: Falcon 9. Top 9 is through Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the SpaceQ Podcast. Today we're featuring a panel discussion recorded at the Perimeter Institute on March the 8th for the International Women's Day. The inspiring Future Women in Science panel included moderator Kelly Foyle, Perimeter Outreach Scientist, Kona Williams, a Forensic Pathologist and Coroner, Shirley Tang, a Nanotechnology Scientist, Camille Mitchell, architect and Daniela Roper, Mechanical Engineer. Listen in.
2: We're fortunate to have four panelists uh, today with us, representing a real range of different specialties and work experience. Um, You'll see a description of each of them in your program. Um, I'd like to first thank all of them for joining us today and taking the time to share their experiences. To start off our session, I'll be asking each panelist to tell us a little bit about themselves and their career path. Um, I'll be moderating the discussion, but I hope that the questions for the panelists will be coming from you. Um, So even as they're introducing themselves, feel free to form a line at the microphone. I can certainly ask lots of questions. These women are really fascinating, but I hope that we'll be having uh, lots of questions from you today. Um, So, Kona, let's start off with you. All right.
0: Uh, Well, good morning, everybody. Um, My name is Kona, and uh, I see dead people. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, literally, I do. Uh, I'm a forensic pathologist and a coroner. Um, I trained all over the country. Um, so that means I'm a medical doctor, and I do autopsies and I figure out how and why people died. Um, it took a long time, um, you know, to be a, a specialist physician at my level it's 14 years of post-secondary education. So after high school, you do four years of, medical, or four years of undergrad, sort of science degree, you do four years of medical school, then you do five years of pathology residency, and then I, because I wasn't quite educated enough, I went and did a one-year fellowship in forensic pathology to end up where I am. So it is a very long haul. Um, but I wake up every morning and I love what I do.
3: Awesome, thank you. Shirley? Hi, everyone. It's uh, great to be here and see so many young faces. Uh, I'm Shirley Tan. My Chinese name is Xiaowu. I grew up in China. I did my undergraduate study in China as well, and then I come to the States. I got my PhD at MIT, and then I said uh, enough is enough in school, so I went to work in industry. I went to uh, Silicon Valley, worked for uh, three years, and then I said, okay, maybe school is the best place for me. So I went back to uh, academia. I did a postdoc at Stanford, and then I got my uh, position here at the University of Waterloo. Now I'm a professor of chemistry in the Waterloo Institute for Nanotechnology, and I'm also uh, associate dean of science uh, research uh, currently. And I do a lot of services. I cannot name all the committees that I served in I think um, in summary I like to work with young people I think uh, that's what makes my life very energetic and uh, I like working in my lab um, creative things solving problems and uh, I'll be happy to share with you my uh, excitement today
2: Thank
4: you Camille. Hi. Good morning, everyone. My name is Camille Mitchell. Um, so when I was your age in high school, that's when I was trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do. And I went through my, the, I called the A phase. I initially wanted to be a, um, an archaeologist, then advertising, and then I settled with architecture. So by then, um, I wasn't too familiar with what an architect did. So my high school had an opportunity to do um, placements during the day. So I would spend half the day at a firm And then through practical experience, you got an idea of what is required to be an architect. And that's when I was referred to the University of Waterloo. So you guys are really fortunate that you guys are in the Waterloo region with Conestoga, Laurier, and University of Waterloo with the co-op placements because before I even graduated, because that's the thing, I I know many friends who went through different programs not fully understanding what they were doing, sort of the all shot um, what was described by Verena. Let's see what it is and see what sticks. With Waterloo, I had five placements in different firms before I even finished my undergrad. I worked in New York. I was training students that were completing degrees from Harvard. They were like, let the Waterloo students show them what to do. Um, So following that, um, so... Upon completing my undergrad in Waterloo, that's when I sort of realized the whole issue of diversity and lack thereof, especially for black women in architecture. But at that point, I was still committed to this degree. And so upon, so I've completed my master's degree at Waterloo, and I work in Toronto at a um, recently uphill, a really large firm. They completed CG across the street. Uh, So right now I'm really involved in promoting diversity and mentorship and retention for women in architecture and also encouraging platforms for outreach for visible minorities within the profession as well.
5: Awesome. Thank you, Camille. Hi, I'm Daniela. I studied mechanical engineering. And while I was still in school, I found out about a problem that affects wind turbines in cold climates. Um, And while I was in my last year of engineering, I started working with a group of friends on a system to improve production for these uh, wind turbines in cold climates, and have been working on that since. So after I graduated, decided that I was going to um, form that into a company. I'm now the CEO of that company. We've been operating for roughly four years um, and have validated the system that we designed.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Daniela. Okay, well, hopefully we'll have uh, a line for stream of questions, but maybe I'll start off. Um, Camille, you talked a little bit about high school, but I wanted to hear maybe also from some of the others, thinking back to um, where these uh, girls are now. When you were in high school, what inspired you to pursue science? Was there a teacher? Was there a moment? Um, What inspired you in in high school to pursue a, a science career? Coming on to
0: you. Um, I was always that, that little geeky kid, you know, that would have um, seashells and categorized, you know, stuffed animals and all sorts of things in my room. Um, you know, whereas everybody else is playing Barbies. And um, it was really important to have people encur- recognize that one and encourage it. Um, you know, I was really lucky I had my dad. Because uh, he, he didn't quite understand me. he didn't really know where I came from. I was the only sciencey person in my entire family. Um, there are no doctors, there are no scientists in my family. Um, so they were all very confused by me, but at least my father recognized something a little bit different, and he encouraged that instead of trying to squash it. Um, so then when I was you know grade nine, grade ten, you're starting off high school, you're not really sure what it is you're going to do. Uh, I took all sorts of things. I took Japanese. I got to go to Japan for, like, three months. Um, so I highly encourage people to step out of their comfort zone because Japanese is a lot different than French and English. Um, and But I still always sort of gravitated back towards the sciences, which is something I really enjoyed. Uh, the reason I am where I am now was because of all the decisions I'd made, you know, through grade school, high school, university. Um, you have to combine what you're good at with what you love to do. And if you can put those two together and make that into a job where somebody pays you to do that, that's probably the best place to be and that's exactly where I am right now. Awesome.
2: Any other thoughts that...
3: Um, I did my high school in China, so the experience is quite different. Uh, The curriculum is quite fixed, not much choice. Uh, I have I have two daughters. So my um, older daughter is already in university. I watched her go through the high school over here. I would say you guys are very lucky. You have a lot of choices to pick what you like. If I think back from my own uh, high school experience, I think it's just natural interest. It was very natural for me to go science and engineering because that's what I want to do um, I wasn't really interested in literature <laughs> <laughs> one thing I, I decided at the end of my high school is like I'm not going to be a writer or anything <laughs> so there this this the multifaceted in you you have to kind of I would say just fail what you like and uh, one thing you have to understand is uh, don't let other people to tell you what you like. That's the lesson. Because um, a, a lot of uh, my classmates, female classmate, girls, they don't like what I like. So I'm kind of different. Uh, but just follow your heart. If you like it, like it, just go for it.
4: I would also add for my high school experience, um, the two... Um, pro, I guess disciplines I really liked were really celebrated. So I, I was always um, strong in visual arts, but also mathematics was celebrated. So we'd write the Pascal, the Descartes, the Fermat math competitions, and they would be there would be plaques in the halls. So it's that recognition that was um, that again was celebrated in the school, and also with the visual arts um, to have that balance. Um, And also did French immersion on top of that. So the school really organized how to have that balance, which I appreciated, and I was able to take all those different aspects with me into my career and adult life.
1: Maybe Dad?
5: Uh, I wanted to do all sorts of things when I was in high school, just like everybody. Um, And I was never a very smart kid, and I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And my parents kind of saw that. They ended up putting me in this all-girls school, this private school, um, which gave me a lot more confidence, which really helped. And then I ended up going back into the public school system. But um, I knew that I liked math, and I really liked helping people. So I, wanted, I thought about being a doctor. Uh, I thought about being a nurse. I applied for all of these things when it was time to go to university. I applied for accounting, actuarial science, engineering, hoping that I would get accepted to something, and then I would have my choice. Uh, but I got accepted to most of them, so that didn't really help and then um, I kind of narrowed down on engineering and was looking at, well, I really wanted to move to Vancouver to go skiing in the winter, and um, UBC had accepted me for engineering, so I decided to go with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Question, yeah.
5: Um, hi, I'm Ava from Meadowvale Secondary, and I wanted to ask all of you, how does someone in secondary school or fresh out of high school um, get practical experience or find someone who can give them that practical experience because it can be hard without any qualifications or any ins. Ask.
0: <laughs> you know what, you have a voice and you're standing right there and you're asking. Um, don't be afraid to use that. That was probably one of the biggest hurdles I faced when I was your age. I was just thinking, well, nobody's going to take me seriously. Nobody's going to, I don't know anything about what it is that they do, but it sounds really interesting. Ask. You guys have email, you guys have Facebook, you have Twitter. Most of us are probably on Facebook and Twitter um, and that's how I get a lot of my my requests from people. Like, you know, I'm interested in what you do, Um, can I come and learn a little bit about it? The worst that can happen is, you know, either somebody says no, um, and that's okay. Um, But chances are, if you use your voice and you ask and you're not afraid to ask, somebody's gonna get back to you. And, you know, that person may be your person, or they may be somebody who'd be like, you know what, I, I, don't have what you're, I don't think I have what you're looking for right now, but I know somebody who does. So that for me, I mean, if I had knew, known that when I was your age, like who knows, maybe I would have been on Mars or something, but ask.
2: Awesome, thank you. Um, we've actually had a couple of questions come in from our online audience at uh, West Humber. Um, and so one of them is, how do you balance your personal life from your professional life? How do you strike that, that balance? I, I like what
3: I, I once listened to a talk by Jeff uh, Beddles, the, the boss of Amazon. Um, he pointed out right, it's actually not conflict, personal life and work. It's just two faces of your coherent life. Um, they're not any different. I would just say go back home, deal with, deal with my kids. Uh, it's just a different challenge from going to the lab and so on problem. You just need time management and just say okay, maybe today this one is higher priority than the other and the other day maybe the other side is, is more important to more urgent things to deal with. I don't want you actually to think those are conflicts. There are moments you have to choose which one to deal first but everything should be uh harmonic peace uh, in your life.
5: Yeah, it really helps. If you enjoy what you're doing, then it's not as much a choice between work, professional life and personal life. But um, I always, well, my work recently has been very stressful because our companies um, made some huge steps in the last year and we've been negotiating An agreement with a very large company, one of Canada's largest companies, um, for purchasing systems and for an investment. Um, So it's been a really stressful year, but there's always things. I I love working with my team, we're really close, and it kind of feels like, you know, when we go for lunch together, it's really fun and gets your mind off of it. I've also decided to learn how to play the violin, which I started in uh, May. And it's nice to go to violin or practice my violin and just take my mind off of everything. So it's, it's good if your if your professional life is something that you really enjoy doing, and then it's good always to um, remember the things that you care about and do things for yourself. I would just like to
4: add. I think for myself, it's just recognizing that balance is difficult, and sort of and acknowledging that because I have my professional. Career. I have my personal life, but then I took on a series of volunteering programs and outreach and managing and all these different things. So what I've had to learn is just to say, to know your limits and also ask for help. Learn to delegate, because you may love organizing this event. It may be easy for you to do this. It's natural for you to do this. You did it 10 times before, but it's okay to let it go. And um, also ask for help, because there's always people willing to help, and it's not your responsibility to uphold everything. And I think with learning how to balance, it's, I think it's part of the process. And, and it's not necessarily you, can, you cannot have it all, but just be mindful of which parts are more important to you. And I think um, Bruno was saying yes earlier, but the year of yes, I said yes to many things, but now it's, look for myself, what's more important and how to go forward with those instead of taking on everything at one time. Awesome,
1: Yes. question. Yeah. Hi, um, my name is Serindi, and I go to Abbey Park High School. And before I ask my question, I just want to thank you guys for like sharing your stories. They're super inspirational and cool. And like like a lot of you, I have I'm in high school, and I have no idea what I want to do. Um, but I know I want to do something in the sciences and business related. So um, specifically to Daniela um, Roper, I was wondering. Um, after completing your undergraduate at the University of British Columbia, what were like the steps you took to like get out there and start your own business? Because I know it's like tricky and there's like a lot of risk to put in, but like what, what did you sort of do to just like get out there and like show your idea? out?
5: That's a good question. Uh, during the process when my team was designing the system, when we were still in our engineering program, we worked really closely with wind farms um, to understand what they had tried what worked, what didn't work, and to get feedback on our design. Uh, and one of those was willing to work with us afterwards. Uh, and from a lot of them, we had really strong feedback of if you built this, we would buy it. And um, that kind of encouraged me to continue to actually start the company. But I had no business experience, which was which was uh, really scary for me. And I didn't have an office. I didn't have any money. So I applied for Velocity, which you might have heard of. is at the University of Waterloo. Or it's out of the University of Waterloo. It's in uh, Kitchener. They have, I think, about 80 companies in there right now. And it's free office space. And they give you mentoring. Um, so I applied for that program. Thanks to my sister. She was already in it and was lucky to get in, and that really made the whole thing so much more real. That's when I started working on the project full-time, and I had people telling me, you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong, uh, things that I didn't know I was doing wrong. And also, there's so much funding. We're lucky in Canada with how much funding there is for young people starting companies. So I was able to get enough funding to file a patent um, and to hire some co-op students, and then eventually hire my team on uh, and so far, haven't, I've had enough government funding that I haven't had to give up any uh, share of my company. So I still own the company completely. And uh, another big part of that was pitch competitions, which is something that in the Waterloo region we have quite a few of.
1: Thank you so much. That really helps. <laughs>
2: um. Hi, um, my name is Valeria Repnikova, and I'm from Assumption College. You all look beautiful today, by the way. Um, so uh, Professor Tang, if that's correct, um,
5: I was wondering, you got into MIT. What made you stand out out of all the other competitors? Because I understand that it's extremely difficult to get into such a prestigious university. <laughs>
3: Well, um, I did really well when I was in uh, undergraduate study, uh, but I don't really think I stand out that much. <laughs> I, I would see half is through hard working, right? You have to do well. You have to love what you do. The second half is also opportunities. Um, now, I address both sides. What makes you... Hard working. Partly it's work ethics. The other part is always the passion. So you have to be passionate about what you do. That makes the work much more efficient, I would say. You get wonderful ideas of just being passionate. Now, being um, opportunities, I think I was lucky to get to MIT. There particularly professors working, looking for students with certain Background at that time, I was happened to be a good fit. Um, but how do you how do you look for opportunities? I guess right. One is open mind. Um, don't look just like I just want to go that route alone. Look more fundamentally what you like to do for your life. Like I want to research. I want to do be able to build instruments. I want to study life forms. I want to. Uh, To me, anything related to biomedical, uh, physical sciences is my interest, so I I end up looking broad, uh, a lot of opportunities. Uh, And then the other thing is build your qualifications, right? I want to be good scientist. What fundamental qualities should a good scientist have? Your logical thinking, uh, critical thinking, be able to um, really dig into a problem and actually be persistent in solving the problem. And uh, by building those qualities, when opportunities come, you can seize the opportunity and really um, become part of the effort or route that you'd like to uh, go on.
2: Thank you. Um, maybe it would be uh, it would be interesting to hear a little bit about some of the challenges that you guys have faced in your career. So maybe, or a moment of frustration, where has been a sort of a pain point in, along your path? there is. Um, well, I'm, I'm First Nations.
0: Um, so my dad is Cree, my mom's Mohawk. And so I kind of faced all those barriers all the way through. And I still do, which, you know, really sucks. Um... It's hard when you have people telling you, on one hand, you shouldn't be here. You know, you don't deserve to be here. Um, You're not smart enough to be here. I don't want to be treated by somebody like you. And then you have other people, you know, the other half of it saying, um, well, you only got here because, you know, or it's great that you did this, but, you know, you didn't really, you didn't get it by merit, so it's it's difficult to have those you know challenges put on you on top of being you know a woman in science and medicine um, when you have all that stacked against you um, you know and it's easy to feel really alone uh, when you when you're kind of facing that um, but you know if you you're you look inside and you think to yourself you know okay there are a whole bunch of people telling me that I cannot do this. Why are they telling me I can't do this? And if their why isn't anywhere near as solid as your why, um, then you pick the one that's stronger. And chances are it's going to be your why and what's inside of you that's stronger than what everybody else keeps telling you. Um, because they don't see that why. They don't see that inside of you. Um And as you grow, and as you get older, and as you face more challenges and you overcome them, that why becomes visible to other people, and you just let that sort of speak for itself.
4: I think a challenge for me um, was was demanding my recognition as an architect, um, because Understandably, it's a male, white, male-dominated profession. So, beyond architecture profession, when you're on site, the contractors, the engineers, they're heavily male-dominated profession. So, initially, um, when you go on site for building this size, it is uh, it is an intimidating process because besides gender and race, it's also age. I'm quite younger than a lot of the contractors who are on site. So, having um, to literally have a group of 12 to 20 men on site waiting for your direction was an intimidating process, but um, it goes back to Cather's presentation about having a, a good set of allies and people behind you and knowing what you say, um, there's a team of people backing you up at the end of the day. So I think initially one of my challenges was the confidence to be recognized as the architect on site and making the decision, but at the same time, knowing that I can rely on a good set of allies um, to help and support my decisions and back them up.
5: I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. The wind industry is very uh, male-dominated as well. And um, I've from the beginning, when I started the company, I've been going into meetings with Wind farm owners and operators, and it's always um, older white men. Um, and it's, I think in the beginning, it was tough for them to take me seriously because I'm this young woman that uh, has designed the system, and they would say, Well, what, like, how could you have done this when the OEM, OEMs for the wind turbines haven't designed the system, and why do you think your system is going to work? Uh, so it was challenging, but at the same time, there are many people in the industry now that are our champions and that are very supportive. Um, another challenge, I think, I had a lot of self-doubt, and I wasn't very confident, uh, and I, in engineering, uh, we, I, first of all, wasn't very smart. I never had really good grades. I was accepted mostly on my extracurriculars and how diverse um, I was, I guess, but, um they had us take this Myers-Briggs test, which is a personality test, and my personality was, um, I think it's ESFJ or something like that, but it's, it's a, like a very caring personality type, and it's someone that recommend you to be a nurse. And then they showed this, this graph in our engineering class of uh, the people, like the distribution of these Myers-Briggs personalities in um, regular, like the regular population and then in engineering and mine was fairly common, 16% in the regular population, zero they had seen in the students that had come into this engineering program. And I kind of thought, wow, I am like, I have like a 60, 50 average. My personality type is wrong. Maybe I should just stop studying engineering and do something different. But I'm really glad that I decided to keep working at it um, because I do really enjoy engineering. And I love um, the knowledge that I gained from engineering and the things that I can do. And, Uh, build now from what I learned so yeah maybe the problem isn't uh, that
2: you weren't the right fit for engineering but engineering needs to encourage more people of different
5: personality types to be part of engineering
2: yes yes question
3: Hi, my name is Sri Cherry, and I go to Abbey Park. Hi. And I was just wondering, so we've learned a lot about how you've become where you are and the
1: decisions you've made, but what are some things that you could do in your free time that you would recommend to us that would like really help us like get more interest in what we want to do? And it's not only like an extracurricular club, but it's also something that you enjoy and you can have fun doing as well.
4: My suggestion would be to find what it is that you like to do and do it because you can take that into any profession. Um, I literally design buildings. So our, if, if um, we have architects who have different diverse backgrounds, they can bring that knowledge in. So instead of us waiting on the clients to tell us about physics and how to shape this space, if they have an interest in physics, they can tell us how that. Um, we're meeting with architects, indigenous architects, to design uh, smudging spaces so that it's mindful of their spaces and how to use those spaces appropriately. Um, ballerinas, artists, like, so you can bring what it is that you like to do into your profession and Execute that um,
0: happily. And variety too. So step out of your comfort zone. If you're like, I'm not good at chess, but I've never really tried it, I just think I'm not good at it, go join the chess club. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like, wow, you know, those people on TV that, you know, do martial arts, I could never do that, go join the martial arts club like you just never know you know. You might get really good at something that you would never have dreamed of doing and if you just don't try it you're at the age and the stage now where everything's open you know. like you can try anything and I guarantee you that no matter what you do even if you're not good at it and even if you realize okay you know what this really isn't for me maybe I'm not meant to be a triathlete or maybe I'm not meant to be you know the, the chess club champion or, or whatever you're going to learn something from that and you can take that experience and you take that knowledge and bring it forward. So you're never going to go backwards. You're always going to keep moving forward.
3: I, I would totally agree with that. Try something new. Uh, you don't need, sometimes you don't need a reason. If you're just interested, just go try it. you have surprises. Um, and also reading. I know I said I'm not going to be a writer, but it doesn't mean I don't like to read books. I think every uh, good books you will learn... It's like you're living a thousand different lives, right? You learn to look at the world or the society, um, different cultures from very different uh, perspectives. Um, That gives you a view of the world that more complex. And uh, I I would say one of the reasons for bias to be formed is narrow vision. And through reading, possibly, you don't have to travel around the world, but you will have opportunity to let your imagination or other people's life experience to see the world.
5: I agree with all of those, and I would have said all of those. And I want to add one more, which is just meet people, because... People, yeah, go do things where you're going to meet people because um, the network that I built in the beginning when I was starting my company has helped support us so much to get us to where we are now. And I would just, you know, I went to um, the Canadian Wind Energy Conference and I was terrified because I didn't know anybody. I was one of the very few women there, um, let alone I was, I was really young. Um, but I just went and went up to people and started talking to them and I was terrified, but... I met so many good people that have helped us over the years uh, that without them, we would be much further behind.
3: Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Siona. I am from Victoria Park Collegiate. Um, And I heard you talking about your challenges and the obstacles that you overcame. And I just, I know that you have to uh, pick yourself back up and keep moving forward, but it's hard to do that. So could you give any tips on how you deal with the setbacks from either your professional life or um, dealing with being a woman in science? I
5: think there... Go ahead, go ahead. Go. I think there are no mistakes, I think that um, everything is just an opportunity. If something doesn't go well, it's an opportunity to learn something, and you have to see it that way. There's never a problem that can't be fixed, which is something that I tell my team quite a bit when stuff goes wrong. um, There's always a solution, and if you look at it that way and if you look at it as an opportunity, it helps to pick yourself back up.
0: I think one of the most important things, especially for people like me, um, who are used to being, you know, top of the class all the time and always succeeding and getting A's and everything, and that's, you know, the typical pre-med sort of mentality. It's very hard to face failure, and it's very hard to, you know, kind of swallow that. And like you're right, pick yourself back up. Um, anticipate failure. Expect that you're going to fail. Um, And don't let that, you know, even if it pulls you down and even if you need, like, you know, a weekend where you're just basically at home in your PJs eating ice cream and watching Netflix, that's okay, you know, as long as you've learned from it because then you can keep moving forward. If you need that time for yourself, it's okay. It's okay to fail. Um, From my failures, I've learned far more than I did from my successes, because my, you know, yeah, yeah, I succeeded at that, that's great, it's over. It's what didn't work, what did I do wrong, how can I make it better, and how can I be better um, at what it is that I do? And so those are the best teaching moments I can think of. So don't, don't be afraid, and, and, and prepare for it, anticipate it. Yes, you're gonna fail, and it's okay. Uh, I wanna
3: to add to that is, um, Nowadays, social media is everywhere, right? So you see a lot of growing images or happiness in other people's life. You might sometimes think I'm the only one who is suffering from this sit-back. Everybody suffers that. And then my approach is I basically sit back, okay, this is bad, but not end of the world. And then you go back to whatever you need to do. Uh, If you really think about it, I I look back like I'm old, like during the last 40-some years, a lot of bad things happened. But now I look back, it's actually not that bad. So uh, just have patience and uh, do what your big goals, like you have a long range, long life ahead of you. The little setbacks, they will pass. Just...
5: Be patient. Thank you. Uh, I'm Julia from St. David's and I was just wondering how do you discover like how did you guys discover what you love like to like you guys say like do what you love for your job but like how did you know what you wanted to do?
3: Well, ever since I was a child, if I take something apart and put it together, I'm happy. <laughs> so that's basically it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think if you really um, kind of monitor it, feel like, see how you feel, you, you will tell. Like you do certain things, you get happiness out of it, right? And um, see, in the lab as a researcher, we can be stuck in a problem for months but you know the, the, the happiness when something is uh, solved at the end of like four months of hard work, there's no match, like there's nothing else can match that happiness. Then you know this is what you want to do. Yeah, just just
5: feel it. And there's nothing wrong with not knowing either because sometimes the right stuff will happen and or you'll try something and you'll realize, yeah, I don't like it or yeah, I really like it. Um, and then you'll know and there's nothing wrong I was really stressed out about choosing the right degree when I left high school, and I think I would have enjoyed, honestly, I would have enjoyed any of them. I love the one that I picked, but if I wouldn't have liked it, I could have switched. I have a few people who um, work in my company and a few friends that ended up doing a second degree because they completed one degree tried working in that field, realized they didn't like it, and went back to school. Um, and it wasn't a setback for them as all, at all, because I see how they bring their previous degree into the engineering that they do, and how much it helps them. So there's nothing wrong with not knowing, because you'll, you'll find it eventually.
2: Thank you. Uh, we had one more question from uh, our West Humber students uh, online. And one student was asking, how can you combine science and art maybe that's something you might like to
4: think. Um, to. Yes, yeah. it's, I was thinking that. Actually, I was, I was sitting here, and I was just going through my work day because I, um, I think a lot of people, when they think of architecture, just think of the building. But um, So I was working on a tower for downtown Toronto. So when you see uh, the Scotiabank Tower come up... Just, behind that. But with science right now, because beyond... Because everyone talks about cars um, being one of the big, bigger polluters, but buildings are also... Use a lot of fossil fuels and are also wasteful. So we have to be more mindful of what materials are used to save energy, convert energy, and that requires... That comes down to the building facade of how much light goes into a building and how you use the space so your design starts... Um, your sustainability starts with the design itself, your sun orientation, and also... To use passive and, and um, design approaches, so that you're not pumping your building with heat and electricity and cooling and air conditioning at the end of the day. So one, um, so with a tower downtown and design, it's windy city if you're ever in downtown Toronto. So we're designing a terrace on the 11th floor within the financial district. Therefore, if you're going to go out on this patio, wind is going to get you. So we have to do wind screens and talk to. We have wind consultants and engineers telling us the level and speed that the wind is coming down the side of the tower, and how do you design a screen and the perforation of that screen to mitigate that wind so that it, it becomes a comfortable space. Um, and then, so that's so that's one part. And then, yes. Yeah, so and. Drainage, all these slopes and angles, and space, just space generally. You're trying to be the most resourceful use of space because every square foot is a dollar spent on, especially commercial space, that you have to be wise with your design, that every um, corner is a usable space for that building as well.
5: Awesome, thank you.
2: Well, we've come to the end of our panel, but to close, I'd like to ask each of you if you have any um, closing words of wisdom for our audience today. Maybe think back to when you were in high school. If you could go back and tell yourself something um, when you were younger, what would you, what would you tell your young self? Um, or anything you'd like um, these young ladies to know.
0: Um, I think for me, it's don't be afraid. Um, you know, to do something completely different, to do something that you are afraid of, um, and that just doesn't just apply to you at your stage. Um, I'm terrified of heights, uh, but I'm going go to go do the edge walk around the tower this summer because I'm afraid of heights. You know, maybe I'll really enjoy it. I don't know. Um, but even at my stage, I'm still learning and I'm still, you know, trying new things and trying to see things differently. So. In order to do that, you need a little bit of courage, and sometimes it just takes a few seconds, and next thing you know, your whole life
3: can change. So like I said, just don't be afraid. Okay, one advice. Um, I would say, um, you guys are very young. I would suggest you not to focus too much on your personal success. Don't set goals like I want to be a professor by age 20-something, I want to gain the top, become the top in my field by age 30-something, because those are not fundamental. Focus on fundamental what you're interested in, what the social problems, what the engineering problems, scientific problems you are interested in solving and persistently chasing after those dreams. In other words, not the position, not the awards, not the names, but the fundamental interesting science, engineering problems you want to uh, address that will drive you along your whole life. Uh, don't worry about setbacks. Everyone have that, if you don't become the the exact point of life you designed to be, it's okay. You just keep going and uh, life is beautiful. Have faith, life is beautiful and the many nice people around you to help you. And uh, if you also try to help others along your way, you'll have actually a happier life than you just focus on your personal success.
4: I would say learn from every experience you um, have. So, again, this area has a lot of co-op um, programs, but you can start that younger and get practical experience. And even if the experience is not what you thought, because I've had some jobs where it's like this is horrible, but learn from that. Why is it horrible? Why is it bad? Why are you not enjoying yourself? And you, 15 years later, I'm those jobs that I thought were bad, I'm referencing now and how I learned from them. So just be mindful of what you may not be having fun at the time, but... T- Um, take apart your experience and and be mindful of what you're learning and your approach, and it may not be the exact approach that you should or should not do, but learn from everything that you're at this point, and continue to learn. It's always good to learn.
5: I'd say don't be afraid to fail, and this is something that I uh, learned from a young age. My father was an entrepreneur, and I saw him be extremely successful, but I also saw... The success and failure that that took along the way, and not every day went as planned, and not every, and there was some things that went badly, and um, in the end, he was still successful. And then, in um, when I was studying engineering, I had a professor tell me that my like my grades were really bad, and he said you should probably just take the year off and then come back next year and try it again, and because um, you're probably not going to pass this year. I ended up passing, thank goodness, but. Um, things like that taught me a bit about failure. I think I still have a lot to learn about failure, and I, <clears throat> but I'm not afraid. I wouldn't be afraid for my company to fail because um, it would be a learning experience, and I, I know that I'll be successful. It'll maybe just be the next thing. Awesome.
2: Thank you so much to all of you for sharing your time and your stories today.
1: Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Cube Podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash SpaceQ We really appreciate feedback and to help us we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play Music if you're so inclined If you have any comments on this episode you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode If you send me a comment by email I'll write back to you as soon as I can On Twitter, you can follow us, at Canada in Space, and if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Cue. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.